0: Even growing up with a father who worked offshore, Christina Amos did not imagine a similar career path for herself. After she graduated with a bachelor's degree in petroleum geology from the University of Louisiana in Lafayette, Christina took on a role as a mudlocking geologist on ultra-deepwater drilling rigs in the Gulf of Mexico. Today, you're going to hear from Christina, how she got into the industry, and at the same time, balanced motherhood. This is the Women Offshore podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is a 501c3 nonprofit organization supporting a diverse workforce on the water. Here at Women Offshore, we had our very first event a few years ago. I met Christina Amos for the first time then. At that time, she actually hadn't been offshore for several years. Coming to our first event was really important to her because she wanted to give back, and she had wished that something like Women Offshore had been around when she had started out. It was great meeting her, and I wanted her to come on the show today to share her career, how she got started in the industry, and what made her want to work as a well-control instructor. Welcome, Christina, to the Women Offshore podcast.
1: Thanks, Sally. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Good. It's good to have you on the show. So please start out by sharing why you started working offshore.
1: All right. It's kind of a long story, but let's take a trip down memory lane. When I was a child, my dad was a soldier in the Gulf War Desert Storm. Every time I saw him again, he would bring me back a rock from every country he went to. So... He brought me rocks from Iraq, Kuwait, Saudi, and we lived in Germany at the time when the Berlin Wall came down. So I even have a piece of the Berlin Wall in my rock collection. At the time, it's, you know, I was a kid, but I just had this rock collection and I liked the rocks and I've been adding to it ever since. And when I was a teenager and actually started thinking about what I would want to study in college... I was very interested in being a scientist, and I like to watch geology programs, so I thought, you know, that would be something really cool to study. So instead of just collecting these rocks, know something about them, know how to identify them, where they came, you know, what kind of rocks they are. Well, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get into college at the age that I planned to for different reasons and ended up getting married and having a baby. I breastfed my baby, so I actually didn't try to get into college again until she was one years old once I had weaned her. By that time, the marriage was pretty much done, so I was more serious than ever about going to school. I realized that I had to, even though it seemed pretty much impossible to get into college, I just had to find a way and do it, yes or yes because now I didn't just have myself to think about, I had my daughter. It was no longer just about me wanting to study something interesting, it was about me being needing to be able to provide my daughter with a better quality of life than what we were living.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a really stressful time in your life.
1: Yes, it really was. Really was. I wasn't able to pay all the bills or even eat every day for that matter. I would eat once every two or three days. And I would try to. Now my daughter ate all the time. But yeah, I knew, you know, we weren't getting anywhere. And that's definitely not the life I wanted to give to her.
0: Working offshore, I imagine when you found out about it, that was a huge opportunity for you.
1: It definitely was. Actually, at the beginning, it was never my plan. Now, growing up, my dad worked offshore. He ran um, MWD tools on drilling rigs in the Gulf of Mexico. So, actually, I knew about it from a pretty young age. I think my dad started working offshore when I was 11, but it never crossed my mind that it was something that I would end up doing one day. In fact, the only people who worked offshore that I knew were men. i never heard of women working offshore. So it just, yeah, it just never crossed my mind. Um, Ironically, it was my boyfriend at the time who introduced me to it. See, when I was in college, I ended up getting an internship. So I was a geophysicist intern for almost a year. And that's actually what I planned to get into, you know, finishing college and just going straight to the office and interpreting geological and geophysical data. And I really, really enjoyed it. But then in April 2010, the Macondo well blew out in the Gulf of Mexico and there was a drilling moratorium, which means that no offshore drilling was allowed for about about a year. So I lost that internship and realized that I had to I had to do something else. I wasn't going to be able to become a geophysicist, you know, just by graduating with my bachelor's in geology. That company was going to allow me to keep working until I graduated and then hired me on full-time with just a bachelor's. In fact, an alumni of UL had done that and he was working with me. But I realized that no other company was going to do that for me. Any other company who hires a geologist wants you to at least have a a master's degree. They will not let you start. Most people won't even give you the internship unless you're already enrolled in grad school. But since my living situation was so difficult as a single mom, I knew like, no, I can't just stay in school. I can't get my master's right now. I've got to get to work and start making a decent living. So about six months before graduation, I just started applying for any geology geophysicist position that I could. But And I just kept getting rejection after rejection. And that's how I realized that I had really lucked out with the internship I got. So uh, it was a little disheartening that, wow, I have worked So hard getting this degree, working two or three jobs, raising my baby, going to school full time for geology. What am I going to do now? And I can't stay in school just getting into more debt for two more years. By that time, I had a boyfriend, and that was a very good relationship. And he just kept encouraging me every step of the way. To be honest, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now if it hadn't been for him, because at the time, I had a really low self-esteem. I guess I thought my options were more limited than what they really were. He was the one who actually encouraged me to start working offshore. One day, he emailed me a link. He said, Christina, this may be what you need to do. They only require a bachelor's degree it can be a bachelor's in geology or engineering the position was to be a logging geologist in the gulf of mexico with halliburton my first reaction was actually I just ignored him the first time i thought I'm like <laughs> you know he's tripping i'm a i'm a single mom what would i do with my daughter and hello i'm a girl and i'm not even a big woman i'm 5 feet tall i'm not excessively strong so I, I kind of just ignored him. But then a few days later, he said, hey, did you ever get my email with that link for Halliburton? I said, yeah, but uh, I can't do that. I'm a woman. He said, so? I said, well, wow. that's. That, yeah. yeah yeah I ironically it was the man who had to open my mind to women's opportunities
0: wow that's so interesting <laughs>
1: yes, probably not the typical story but i'm glad he, I'm glad he was there at the time to do that for me so I still kind of ignored him I, I said no like i'm I'm too small I'm not strong enough I guess in my mind it was more like roughneck work I didn't know what all of the positions were available I thought a lot more physical labor would be involved with the position than what really was. At least, you know, get some field experience. He said, in fact, I think this is going to be a lot more beneficial to you than your first plan of just staying in the office. He said, field experience is something that can't be taught. You have to get out there and do it. Whether you like it or not, it doesn't matter. Do it for a couple of years, get your foot in the door, and at least you have something on your resume and you gain experience in the meantime. And think of it as an adventure, things that most people in the world don't get to do, and especially women field
0: experience is so important. So how long did you work offshore for? And can you think back on that first time offshore, that first day? How did you prepare and what was the first day like?
1: Actually, I only ended up working offshore for two years. And the first day is a little it's a little fuzzy because it was it was a while ago. It was back in January 2012. So the main thing I remember was having to wake up at one o'clock in the morning to get up and take a shower. Hour, which, between you and me, I didn't really wake up. I didn't sleep at all the night before because I was so nervous. But I had to get up at 1, one thirty. I had to drive to the Halliburton office in Broussard, Louisiana. And I carpooled with somebody to the heliport. But I was nervous the whole time, just not knowing what to expect. And I remember being even so nervous about putting on the vest when, you know, before it was time to board the helicopter, I was just learning how to twist the earplugs, like everything was so new to me. And it was about an hour and a half helicopter ride. And then landing on the rig, it was just, yeah, it's an unforgettable experience that first, that first day, just knowing that I'm in for a new chapter of my life, a new adventure.
0: So looking back, do you have any memorable sea stories you can share with us?
1: Well, really, everything was memorable to me. As far as, you know, my first couple of hitches, I remember being just terrified of all of the drilling equipment because I didn't know what everything was for. I was afraid if I would touch anything, it would just explode on me. So it was a it was really good uh, learning curve. I learned a lot, learned about the equipment, learned a little about electrical work, about wiring things up, hooking things up, computers. I guess that, that's one thing that's, that I remember the most, just learning so much and learning so many skills that I apply in my day-to-day life now. And I learned them them all from the rig.
0: You were challenged and you enjoyed that challenge and you learned a lot in a very short amount of time to get going with your job. And I know that working offshore is not for everyone. Part of what makes it so hard is being gone when events are happening at home. I imagine this was especially true for you, being you know a new mom still at that time and, and going offshore. I know in my own career, it hurt to see weddings and birthdays and all sorts of things happening at home when I was at sea and knowing I couldn't support my loved ones. The hardest time in my own career was when I was literally in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and I lost my grandmother. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I was weeks away from land and I knew I just wouldn't be there for anything. And by the time I was able to get off my ship, everyone had kind of, to me, it felt like everyone had moved on. I was Still very much grieving and did not have that closure. So, right now, we're experiencing a crisis across the world with COVID 19, and seafarers are stuck on their ships. Um, Some are offshore workers, some are in the maritime industry, and it is extremely hard for people who have these seagoing careers. And I think we can all reflect back on times in our lives offshore where it was difficult. So how did you cope with the stress of being gone
1: while offshore? You know, I did feel stress at the time, but putting it in the light of what's going on right now, what I went through doesn't even compare to what's going on with COVID-19. A friend of mine who still works offshore was stuck on a rig for three months because of this. You know, a lot of people are just stuck right now. They can't get home with all of this going on. I can only imagine that. With me, I kind of lucked out for with my rotation. I worked 14, 14, you know, I'd work 14 days and have 14 days off, or I'd work 21 days and get 21 days off. So, but even still, it was, it was a different way of life for me at the time. It did feel stressful. And I don't know how this is even possible, but the way my rotations were, they were set up to where I missed every single holiday, birthday, anniversary imaginable in those two years. I mean, every Thanksgiving, Christmas, 4th of July, my daughter's birthday. I don't know how that even worked out. I missed every single one. My great grandfather passed away at one point. And of course, I couldn't, I couldn't make it to the funeral. And that was really, that was rough too. I can relate a little bit with that. Mostly because I had my daughter. Actually, I had to struggle with a lot of guilt. When I started working offshore, I think she was five. So she was still she was still little it was definitely hard for me to leave her for weeks at a time like that because we weren't used to it all I got was like a 10 minute call to her a night and sometimes the lines for the phone were so long I didn't even get my chance to talk to her it was hard and some friends of mine were taking care of her when I worked offshore so they were really good at keeping me involved they would email me pictures of you know of her and their kids during all the holidays their you know Halloween and Christmas. So it was nice that they kept me involved. But at the same time, it made me feel sad that I wasn't there. And I was missing, you know, missing all those moments with her.
0: It seems that you had a lot of support and talking to women who are moms who work offshore, that that's what's needed. Like it's possible to have a career and be a mom, a career that takes you miles away um, into the ocean. But at the same time, you have to have that support system.
1: That's the hardest thing to find, Allie. Really, being a mother who works offshore, it's it's really hard to find support. Uh, it wasn't something my, my family supported. And a lot of women judge me, to be honest. And they would say, Christina, how could you do that? how can you leave your baby girl for weeks at a time? I would never do that because I love my kids. Oh, wow. You know, kind of like insinuating that because I, because I do this, that I don't love my daughter and like, but I'm doing this because I love her. And I want to give her a better life than what I was giving her before. So the way to cope with it is you just have to learn how to block out the negativity and realize that they just don't, they don't understand. And it is, it is non, a non-traditional lifestyle for a woman and especially a mother. So just realize if you, if you do plan on getting into this, that not everybody will be accepting. And actually the most critical people can be women. And you Just have to forgive them because they don't understand. You know, they're doing what they feel is best for their kids and their family. And you have to do what's going to be best for you. And what helped me, even in the times when I didn't have support and I felt isolated and alone, what helped me cope with being away from my daughter was remembering that, hey, I'm away from her for three weeks, but as soon as I get home, I'm going to be with her 24 7 for three weeks. And it was really great in the summertime. Because the time she wasn't in school, I was able to take her on vacations like the whole time. I remember one time we had just finished drilling a well and the well had to go through inspections for a while before we could drill the next well. So I ended up getting six weeks paid time off so that it was a retainer fee so that I could go on to work for the next well, So I ended up having six weeks off. It was during the summer. I took my daughter everywhere. We went to Disney World. I took her to Argentina. I was an exchange student in Argentina when I was young. So I got to show her the school I went to, the family I lived with. She got to meet my friends over there. Oh, we just went all over. I'm actually able to spend more quality time with her than other moms because, I mean, how else are you going to get six weeks paid time off and have, you know, the money to take your kid traveling all over?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that sounds like a good time as well.
1: We had a lot of adventures.
0: Good. So you worked offshore for... Couple years and then you moved your career to onshore. And this is a conversation that we have a lot at Women Offshore. I know whether you're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter what gender you are. Sometimes you need a change, and moving your career onshore is the best for yourself, for your family, whatever reason you have. So when it comes to that transition, people are uncertain on how to make it, they're uncertain what their career would look like onshore, what skills transfer over that maybe a company would want to see in the office that they had learned offshore. So tell us a little bit about why did you move your career from offshore to onshore and what was that experience
1: like? Just as much as working offshore was definitely not in my plan. <laughs> Once I had adapted and was used to working offshore, moving, making the move to onshore was also not in my plan. So the way it happened was that when I was I was on days off and having lunch with my boyfriend, the same one who wanted me to work offshore. He asked me what I thought about being a well control instructor, which is actually what, what he was doing at the time. I said, you know, it took me this long to get adjusted to this lifestyle and now I'm loving it and I'm loving just working literally half the year and spending all the rest of the time with my daughter. So I'm not sure if I could adjust back to the office life, you know, a Monday through Friday, sometimes traveling on weekends. Weekends. You know, thank you, but and also, I you know, with just two years in the field, I didn't really feel qualified to make the jump to take a job where you would actually be teaching company men and you know people, very high-ranking people in drilling. But it was too late. Because he said, "Well, I'm sorry you say that because I already set up an interview with you with my boss, and it's going to be very embarrassing if you don't go." I was so mad at him, Allie. I was so mad, as like you can't do this without asking me. But then I thought about it and I thought, you know, just to not burn any bridges, you know, just in case this is ever something I would be interested in doing. I'm just going to go to the interview. It would at least be good for networking. Find out, you know, find out, see what they're going to offer. It doesn't hurt anything to talk to them. So since I was offshore, I had to go to these interviews on my weeks off, um, There ended up being three total, so it was about a three-month process. So, you know, I went to the first, first interview the next month, and then I had to put together a presentation and deliver it the next month, so on and so forth. And in the end, when I finally got my job offer, you know, and they assured me that they would train me and... They didn't expect me to know everything about everything, especially with just working for two years offshore in the capacity of, you know, one job. I only had one job. It's not like I did had 10 different positions. So they promised they would train me like, okay, if they're really going to train me, I know I can learn if somebody trains me so I can learn. And the offer ended up being actually the pay was slightly more than what I was getting paid working offshore. That well, that's surprising. So if the pay is actually a little better and I'm going to learn so much, then maybe I should give this a shot. I actually did not plan to keep logging, you know, as a career. I was enjoying it and learning a lot, but I did want to transition into something else. I just wasn't sure what other positions, you know, that I might qualify for. So I thought this would be actually be a good chance for me to learn. I can do this for a year or two, network with people who work in all operations and find out what it is that I really want to do. But here I am about six and a half years later, still teaching well control. I'm at a a different company now. I'm with Wild Well now. And yeah, I've discovered uh, that I had a passion that I didn't even know I had.
0: I like the fact that you took that leap, even though it may have been a little scary at the time uh, with just two years of experience offshore, talking to women who are interested in making big career moves, but think that they're not ready. I think you're a great role model for showing that you can make these big moves, that you can learn it as you go along. And one of the things that I've learned is that, you know, a guy is going to jump at it with 60% of the knowledge and the experience and women tend to hold themselves back until they're 100% ready. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. So it's not just me. Oh no,
1: no, it's not just you at all. <laughs> That's how I always feel. I always feel like, well, I need to be better prepared to do this. No,
0: it's not just you. It, it This is, this is a thing uh, that I see a lot and encourage women to make big moves in their careers and encourage that they'll they'll figure it out as they go along and that you know a company wouldn't be talking to you unless they are at least somewhat confident that you can do it. If they're interested that's a really good sign and and testing out the waters, you know, through that interview to learn more, to network, it's a really great strategy to start out with.
1: And believe me when I say when I made these scary career changes it I don't feel that that I did it because I'm so badass and courageous trust me I was scared the whole time I did it and I was scared and just really took took the leap of faith
0: yeah leap of faith that, that's good and it sounds like you throughout this whole time right good companies had good support systems tell us more about being a well-controlled instructor what is that like and what do you do on a daily basis
1: It's actually a very exciting career to be in. If you're not familiar with well control, first of all, I highly suggest that you guys watch the movie Deepwater Horizon if you have not already. That movie, it's a case history of a lack of well control. This is what happens when people are not using proper well control practices. So, and actually that movie is about the incident that caused me to lose my geophysics internship. (laughs) So it kind of kind of made itself full circle. Well control was affecting me before I really knew what it was. Didn't end up being a geophysicist because of that, but then it piqued my interest in well control. So when I was offshore, I really learned as much about well control as I could, then became a well control instructor. I can kind of see how it came full circle now. What we're working in is the prevention side, how to prevent oil and gas wells from blowing out. It's not like some shows or movies that you'll see where a drilling crew hits oil. They just let the, the well blow out and catch fire and everybody's laughing and saying, yay, this was a good one. Uh, no, that is not what is supposed to be happening. That's extremely dangerous. You risk losing your personnel. I mean, ultimately, they can die and think of the environmental damage the pollution that is definitely not not normal that's not what is supposed to be happening so we teach how to prevent that because, and they've done a lot of studies about it and getting to the root cause of all the major blowouts, they found that at least 92% of blowouts were due to human error. If not, if not more, some things you can't really prove. And some people, you know, un- unfortunately don't live to even tell, to tell the tale of what happened because they do lose their lives. So it's very important as a geologist, of course I do, and an inhabitant of the earth, I do care about the earth and the quality of our drinking water and everything. So definitely the environment. But of course, most importantly, I know what it's like to work out there to work in the field. I also know how it feels on the other end to be a kid waiting for your daddy to come home and being scared that something, an accident might happen. And you know, what if daddy doesn't make it home? I understand it from both sides, from being the person waiting at home for your family to come back. And, you know, and I think by knowing both sides of it. just gives me even more of a passion. And I care about these guys. And I just like to feel like I'm doing my part to make the world a safer place and always keep present in our minds that, look, you're doing this. If not for yourself, do it for your family who's waiting for you to come home.
0: So important to keep in mind who these people are and who will be affected. Thank you for sharing that. As an instructor, are the men in your classroom surprised ever to see a woman teaching? What are their reactions generally?
1: Only about every week. <laughs> They're always so shocked to see me because apparently there are not very many of us. In fact, I only know one other female well control instructor, and she lives in Brazil. I had the pleasure of working with her for a few months back in 2015 and yeah so but in the US there aren't i guess there aren't that many of us and they're really shocked a lot of them you know they'll they'll say hey don't don't take this the wrong way but I was expecting a bald, middle-aged, pot-bellied instructor like what I'm used to seeing, and I just have to roll with it. It's like, well, sorry to disappoint you, but you're stuck with me this week. We'll get through this. Most of them, they're shocked, but it's not always in a negative way. They're just shocked, and I do understand. I get it. Uh, so every once in a while, there will be somebody really hostile who just really doesn't doesn't like the idea of a woman being in charge for the week, especially you know your the company men and rig supervisors, sometimes it can be a little hard for them to let go of the reins, but I'm wondering if they might be like that with anybody. Cause they're used to the ones being in charge, calling all the shots and they have to realize, Hey, for this week, I'm, I'm the manager this week, but it's, it's, it's been, it's been really interesting, especially because I don't just work in the U S because I, I did live in Argentina for a year as a teenager. So I, I, picked up Spanish. So I speak Spanish and some Portuguese. My Spanish is better. I do pretty well with Portuguese too. So because of that, I get to teach here in the U.S., Mexico, Belize, and Brazil. It's, it's really interesting. It's been exciting. I get to meet people from many different cultures and some of them are more receptive to a woman than others for sure believe it or not though some of the most challenging students I get are actually women I, I haven't had very many women uh, students to be honest I've been doing this six and a half years I'm not even sure if I'm up to 10 female students yet may I think I might be getting close to 10 maybe eight I always get excited when I see a woman's name yay finally but then sometimes it just gets really disappointing sometimes I guess we can be our our own worst enemies. So, something I, I would like you ladies to know: if you're thinking of getting into the oil field, please don't don't turn into women like that. Like there aren't that many of us. Let's support each other. We need all the support we can get.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Women helping women.
1: That's what women offshore is about. The classes I teach are not. It's not only well control for drilling operations, also for for workover completions, snubbing, coil tubing, wireline. And you just get such a cool mix of people. Overall, though, it's it's been interesting, and I've learned so much from all of them. And it's definitely improved my people skills because I've had to learn how to relate from the engineers to the roughnecks to the derrickmen to the to the you know gas storage reservoir engineers to the accompaniment I mean it been all, all across the board um, last year I even had an attorney in class
0: Wow that's interesting
1: yes that was very interesting now it's now people who obviously who work in oil and gas wells and the office engineers they have to get certified in well control every two years. So every two years, they're they're doing this. So I was really shocked to have an attorney. And this was a woman. So it was really interesting. Um, at the beginning, I was concerned that she may not be able to pass because she came into the supervisor level drilling course. And I, was, I, I just know myself, if I had not worked in the field, there's no way I would have passed this class. So obviously, being an attorney, obviously, I'm sure she's super intelligent, super smart, but still there's just a lot she may not know. But you know what? She passed with flying colors. She was one of the top scores. She worked her butt off and she did it. So, you, you know, we meet all kinds of interesting, hardworking people.
0: Yeah, that's a great story. I want to meet her.
1: I'll give you her information when we get off. She's on LinkedIn.
0: So for those women out there or really anyone who wants to work offshore and maybe they're concerned about the male-dominated environment, what advice do you have for them?
1: Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity because this is something I've actually wanted to do for years, have some kind of platform where I could share some advice for people who may be thinking about getting into the industry, but maybe like like the way I was back in the day that I was too scared to really do it. Someone had to really motivate me to give it a shot. So I'd like to give tips and I know you've stated it before, but even though it's difficult we can do it as women and we can find a way. So I think I'm going to have to start off with the most important point that I can think of is don't do what I did. Believe in yourself. You know, I realized that I was the only one stopping myself, you know, in so many ways. In fact, when I when I decided to major in geology, actually what I didn't tell you is my first semester, I ended up being so scared that I, I I was scared because I saw geology required a lot of math and sciences and I was scared of the math. I enrolled as an anthropology major just because, you know, I have traveled a lot and I know languages. So it basically, it was going to be something easier for me. And I wanted a job to where I would get paid to travel. So I thought maybe I'll leave geology to the side and go into something that I'm more fit for, that I'm better for. And I had to, I, d- I had to end up taking some sciences anyway. So I took geology. It's like, hey, I can still learn about some geology anyway and they were a lot lot harder for me and challenging but i was doing really well in those classes too i just had to work a lot harder for it like well anthropology would be easier for me and i know i'm not good at math but geology is very interesting and luckily the geology majors in my geology lab kept trying to persuade me to change majors yeah you got to switch to geology the only reason i didn't At first, it's because I just didn't believe in myself. I was scared of the math. And then I finally, one day, what I did is I was living in Louisiana at the time. So I went to the Louisiana Department of Labor website. And I thought, look, I'm going to just make a logical decision, not let my fear get in the way anymore. I went to that website. And I encourage you all to do this anytime you're in between making a decision about a career path. Go to your Department of Labor website. See what your job projections are like for the next 10, 20 years, see what the starting pay rates are, depending on what level of education you have, years of experience, because I pulled that up for anthropology and geology. And the answer was crystal clear to me. And especially as a single mother, like, you know, I've, I've got to use my head here. I can't just let math beat me, you know, like, yeah, that was my Bowser. I had to beat the boss. I did it and I really, I really don't regret it. So all of that to say, just believe yourself because what one thing I've learned is that I'm capable of so much more than I ever, than I ever imagined. And you are too. So if people are encouraging you to do something, listen to them because they probably are seeing something in you that you don't see in yourself. And do we have time for a couple of more tips? Bring it on. What else do you have? I'm sure you can relate to a lot of this, but this is for those uh, ladies who might be considering an alternative career path. And I'm really happy to share this with you. You asked, what's the advice for working in a male-dominated field? So this is definitely interesting perspective for us. So the best advice that I can give you ladies is to please just be yourself. Don't feel like you need to prove anything. Don't feel like you need to pick up any bad habits you don't already have. If you don't have them, you don't have to start, believe me. I am by no means a tomboy. I never have been. I'm pretty pretty feminine actually. And you know, and I felt like, you know, I shouldn't have to change myself to try to fit in. People will just accept accept me or they won't, but at the end of the day, I'm just here to do a job. I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to prove that I'm somebody I'm not. So, You know, you don't, if you're, I mean, if you are a tomboy, great. And you'll, you'll probably have an easier time adapting. But if you're not a tomboy, that's okay too. Just be yourself. Um, As far as language goes, I know women who felt like they had to start cursing to fit in, but I'll let you know, I don't. I've been working in this industry since, well, I guess since 2009, if you're counting the internship. So since 2009, as far as my career offshore, that started in 2012. Anyway, I've been here a little bit and I can honestly say I've still never cursed. I don't judge people who do. It's just it's not me. It's not something I want to do. And I to this day, I still don't I don't tell dirty jokes. I don't use any tobacco tobacco products. Rarely drink alcohol. And I'm still a lady. So and I'm not judging anyone who's different, just saying that, you know, if you're like me, don't feel like you would have to change. There, there's no stereotype that you need to fit in and to be successful in this industry. Just be yourself. And in fact, people respect you more if you're yourself. If you start acting in a, a way that's really not you, believe me, people see straight through you and it, it's not impressing them at all because they see that's not the real you. Just be yourself and be comfortable with that.
0: I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. At Women Offshore, we were supposed to have our conference in July, and due to COVID-19, we pushed it back to October, and we'll see what happens there. But we had set the theme as Be You, because we want women to do exactly what you just said, to be themselves, because we are better as a whole if we bring ourselves to the table. Thank you for saying all that.
1: I, I just have two two more things that I'd like to share as far as tips if especially if you're getting into oil and gas fields um, it there will be downturns during your career this is not an if this is a when we're in one right now in fact this is the third downturn i've been in in my short career I lost my internship because of you know the the well blowout in the Gulf of Mexico and the second downturn started in i think it was around 2014 it was shortly after I got into well control. And that lasted for about a good two or three years. A lot of people were without work. And then now here we are in our third one due to COVID, to be honest. It's a scary, scary time. So the so as far as financial advice, whenever the times are good, and trust me, there will, there will be more good times than bad times. But when times are good, just don't get yourself into debt. It's not you don't need to. You know, live above your means. You don't have to get a fancy car and house. Like, live at or below your means if possible. Save as much as you can. And think of good side hustles you can do so that you can save up. You know, when times are good, just save as much as you can. And then when the downturns come, you're better prepared to handle them and write it out without having to totally switch careers. So just know that. That 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 does exist, the upturns and downturns. It's there, but as long as you prepare for it, you're probably going to be all right.
0: Yes, absolutely. We have seen how important that is right now with COVID being what it is. And Christina, what's your last piece of advice? Let's let's finish the show strong. What do you have for us?
1: So last but not least, and this is probably stating the obvious here, but not a lot of women work offshore to begin with. And I I think it's pretty obvious to everyone, especially if you're listening, you're probably looking for that support and encouragement right now. So being a woman definitely will make you stand out. No, you're it's not like you're going to go to the rig and end up being just one of the guys. No, you're not. You're not one of the guys. So don't expect that and that, and you ha- and be okay with that and just realize yeah you will stand out. I've been on rigs where I was the only woman out of 180 people on the rig. I was the only woman. So it's be prepared for it and don't be scared of it. At the beginning, I was scared because I just felt like all eyes were on me. Like, wow, I'm the first woman they've ever seen on this on this ship. Everyone's looking at me, watching for me to mess up. And I was kind of, you know, scared. But then later I thought, why don't I stop being scared of this and look at this as an opportunity? Having all eyes on me is not necessarily a bad thing. But with everybody paying attention to me, it's actually my chance to show the integrity that I have, that the willingness to learn and that I am a quick learner and that when I do learn and catch on, I will do a good job and I will go over and beyond. And once I adopted that attitude, it just helped so much when I was offshore and during my my well control career, just realizing that, yeah, I'm going to get a lot of attention and people will be watching me, but they're not going to be watching me mess up. They're going to be watching me do a great job. And this is my chance to establish a good reputation for myself.
0: Yeah, I love changing that mindset and how powerful it is. Christina, you are such an inspiration. I really appreciate you sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: You're welcome. And thank you for giving me the honor of being on the show. I never, never thought anything like this would happen.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. This has been episode 23. On a personal note, I've really enjoyed this podcast. It's great getting to know women around the world as well as hear from the listeners. For the last couple years, I've been a student and I've done the best that I can, editing and recording, getting podcasts out there when possible. Fortunately, I just graduated So it is my goal to get a lot more episodes out for you over the next year. Keep your comments coming. I love hearing from you and would love to know what you want to hear on the show. Until next time, stay safe out there and I'll talk to you soon.